Hey there, creatives. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you, uh, episode 14 of season two. And here you'll hear a conversation that I had with art therapist, Zach Vandenberg. And if you're not familiar with Zach, um, he's has been moving and shaking since he's been in grad school and he's uh, done so many really cool things. And today we talk a little bit about uh, some of what he does and has done. And um, but we really focused our conversation on um, what he's been able to do in terms of creating community uh, specifically for queer creative arts therapists. Um, and if you're not familiar, he uh, is the founder and um, creator of Expressing Pride, which is um, an annual event in 2023, June of 2023. It'll be its third year running. It is free. It's open to anyone uh, to participate. You just have to register. And then you'll have free access to the entire symposium of speakers, um, which are really focusing on the voices of uh, that community and um, and the work that uh, people are doing within that community. And I highly recommend you check out his Facebook group, uh, Coalition for queer creative arts therapists um and there's going to be a link to that in the show notes if you want to join and you can learn about uh, that event and how you can participate plus um other information about uh what he's doing and and various ways he's contributing to the field um so i hope you enjoy this conversation and um yeah, definitely check out the Expressing Pride event on June 17th. Um, and again, I'll be putting a link for um, how to register in the show notes. Although at the time that this is published, he may not have it ready. So if you're listening and you're like, oh, I want to register, and you go to the show notes and it's not there yet, check back because I'll be adding it as soon as he sends it along once it's finalized. Um, so without further ado, here's our conversation. The Creative Psychotherapist is the official podcast of the Creative Clinician's Corner, a practice building resource for creative psychotherapists. TCP Podcast is the cast for creative, expressive, and experiential focused psychotherapists curious to learn how to design, build, and scale a thriving private practice. Your host, Raina Lombardi, interviews successful therapists about the tools and strategies they have used to develop creative-focused practices. They also talk about the products, services, and side hustles they have developed, using their knowledge and creativity to enhance their therapy practices, make a greater impact in their communities, and diversify their income streams. Welcome. Now here's your host, Raina Lombardi. Thanks for listening to the Creative Psychotherapist Podcast. I'm your host, Raina Lombardi, and I'm really excited to welcome my next guest. They are Zachary Vandenberg. And 
They are a recent graduate of Altler University in Chicago, Illinois, with a master's in counseling and art therapy. And they received uh, their BFA at the School of the Art Institute. And Zach is the past president of the Adler Art Therapy Student Association, founder of the International Online Forums, Art Therapy Students Associated, and Queer Creative Arts Therapies. They are the lead programmer and founder of Expressing Pride, the annual symposium of the Queer Creative Arts Therapies. The past chairperson of the American Art Therapy Association's Multicultural Committee and the creative director of Expressive Media's Film Library. He's currently working at Community Arts LLC and is supervised under Wanda Montmayor, who you might remember she was on the show a while back in Austin, Texas. And clinically, he uses queer, social justice, anti-oppressive approaches to art therapy, working primarily with adults in kink, queer, and trans communities in Central Texas. Thank you so much for being here, Zach. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you um, about all the amazing stuff that you've been up to. I think... Um, you really inspire me because you have been um, really active in the professional community, even as a student. And I'm just wondering um, what kind of pushed you to say, I'm going to really get involved, um, even though you were in grad school, which is a lot on its own. Yeah, yeah. So honestly, what kind of started it was, um, I'm trying to think. It was really inspired by Lonnie Garrity, who had reached out to me after I had read and posted about reading her and Susan's edited collection um, of essays and chapters about uh, the life and legacy of Edith Kramer. And Lonnie had reached out and was like, hey, I'm so glad that you love the book so much, like, um, you know, and, and that you resonate so much with Edith. And I'd love to connect more and hear about like what resonated with you. Um, you know, we're going to be doing this panel um, of contributors from the book for the, it was then the 2019 at a conference, the 50 year anniversary. And I was just like, oh my gosh seriously like she's asking me like I'm literally like I just started grad school I'm you know like essentially like a nobody like who am I to even speak to this and to be asked like oh what what are my thoughts I was like wow what an honor and a privilege and it just kind of like challenged my thinking um at that point of running on the assumption of this particular hierarchy of knowledge like uh, kind of almost like knowledge hoarding or um, transmission of knowledge and it always coming from up to down and uh, then to be confronted with that I mean like oh actually like um, everybody has a unique way of knowing and seeing the world and so that can come from anywhere even from you know 
lower on the ranks as like a new student. So, um, so of course, then I connected and I was, you know, so honored and humbled and her and I connected, um, you know, and stayed in touch until her passing. And, um, and so from that point on, I was like, oh, I, I can be an active participant in not only my education, but in the culture and the communities that I'm entering into. So how do I do that? Like honoring those spaces as they are. um, And then also where am I within them? And like, what are kind of those um, sub communities like, and how do I like connect and, and resource those spaces and, um, so then I really started mostly with like student organizing, um, within my school and then also in the association and then, um, online. And then, um, I was like, okay, this is exciting and great. And so I started speaking, um, as like in, in focus groups for the ADA conferences. Um, I spoke with Luvenia Jackson's class a few times about how to be involved as a student in a variety of areas um, from organizational spaces to just kind of local spaces like, oh, who are, who's actually practicing like near you? And, uh, and then also like in connecting with authors and researchers who are publishing the articles that inspire you and challenge you. So um, all of that was kind of the initial space of my my journey. And then um, as I continued on in the program and was really coming into my queerness, I was like, oh, I this is like my calling in terms of like mm, one author speaks about it as like a calling into queerness, calling into life. And I was really feeling that as I was reading more about queer theory and um, bracketing with my own sexual and gender identities and expressions and histories and um, what they have meant for me, what they meant at the time and then what they could be. And not only that, but then what does it mean for potential clients or colleagues in the future? So. Um, then I started, uh, exploring that space within the art therapy community mm-hmm. and I realized, sorry, and I'm going on and on. Oh, and no, I'm it's great. It as, as I'm thinking, um, no. And so then I was like, oh, this is like an area where it's a little bit harder to, to find that community or to build that community because, um, it's still incredibly a contentious topic and even I think more so now than a few years ago. Um, Yes. And so I was like, well, this needs to happen because like if we're to build queer worlds in our like public worlds, but also like in the worlds of art therapy and of art and therapy and, you know, care work, like we have to come together. It's like a collective process and practice. So um, so I built that uh, coalition for queer creative arts therapies on Facebook, and that's been growing steadily. Um, and then last thing I promise, <laughs> and then um, that was going so well. And now we have over, 
I think we have like close to 1200 members on there, um, which is so incredible. Yeah, it's so exciting. Um, And at the time, um, we're doing a lot more events with the Expressive Media Film Library and Expressive Therapy Summit. And, um, you know, I had come to Barry with the idea of like, oh, um, I'd love to do like a pride specific thing with the summit and you know I have this coalition and I think that there's like space for this and so he kind of helped um me craft the expressing pride the first year and then Alba Leal um also helped with um the uh Latin American collab so it was like um according to Judy Rubin it was the first um uh fully bilingual like translated uh art therapy education type event that had been done which was really cool that kind of a random randomly like had that opportunity but like really that's neat. amazing so, mm-hmm. um, and then we've just been kind of doing it ever since um so last year we did it um I kind of did it a little bit more within the coalition space and then this year um I've tapped into um my community resources and I have an incredible team now that I'm working with um who are just such badasses and so it's like such a privilege to like slowly decentralize myself in this and have it be sustainable beyond my participation and initiation and so I can just kind of honestly just bear witness to this beautiful offering so I love that I think that um that's really a powerful message for therapists that are creating something um greater than you know um working for an agency right if you're there's nothing wrong with working in an agency let me just clarify that but you know you're you're working for someone else um but here if you're stepping out and you're creating something whether that's a practice or whether that's a community group or it's an event that really celebrates um the work of a particular population of people such as expressing pride really does um uh, celebrates the work. I know you've done uh, really some really cool work um, interviewing people and mm-hmm. and filming them um, to talk about, hey, there's kind of, um, I think it was titled Invisible Histories. Is that yes. correct? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, because certain people within the field are obscured right like even your community I think is the first of its kind or at least the first that I've been made aware of since I've been in the field um so I think that that's an important message to say as you're building in order for it to be sustainable and live beyond yourself so that there is some legacy or even you decide, hey, as a creative person, I love this, 
but I have these other ideas. I, I want to have it remain sustainable. I need to call in other people and give other people the opportunity to um, participate and be involved and usher it forward. I think that's a really uh, powerful message because sometimes we can get like, oh, it's my baby. I want to, you know, main, maintain um, autonomy and, and control over it. Um, but that's great that you have a team now helping you. No, it's, it's such a privilege. You're, you're moving apart from an I place to an us place, to an our place that, that, that there's not this um, level of individual ownership, but really a community ownership. Yes, absolutely. I kind of see that also in my like work in writing and publishing and um, presenting too. And, you know, there's, there's a gap in, in the literature um, historically, and it's changing now, which is awesome, but um, where queerness or like uh, gender, sexual and relationship diversity wasn't really named or it was obscured um, to focus on other needs of, or, you know, specifics in, in case studies or in the research, but like those are important, important aspects of people and especially in communities um, where it's uh, marginalized or stigmatized. Like it's even, in my opinion, like more important to honor those identities and and name them, um, not, not in the sense to like, I suppose you could say normalize them, but not in a normalizing, like domesticating those identities and like a clear strict, these are them and they can only be this way. But it's more of like, rendering them as common or, or possible, like, um, and so, yeah, those are literature like that in art therapy or in, um, care work research or writings, like, that's what I wanted to read in grad school, and it wasn't really available to me, so I had to find that elsewhere and outsource to queer studies, which is kind of where, um what I was mentioning before kind of how that all continued but like um and so I see my role especially as a person with immense privilege of like okay how do I wield that privilege in a way that can benefit uh the movement or the collective um you know the shared pursuit for social transformation so um how can I use my resources that are available to me um or that I have closer proximity or access to resources that I don't have, but could acquire more easily than others um, and kind of lay this groundwork. And then, uh, so others can imagine it forward way beyond me um, and hopefully, you know, challenge and let it bloom into itself. Um, but so that's kind of how I see myself at this moment is like, entering these different spaces, trying to collaborate with whatever's there, how to like be in relationship with that, honoring what that is. Cause I recognize, you know, I'm still super green in all aspects. And so it's like, 
um, how do I honor that wisdom there and bring in this other source of wisdom that I know from my lived experience and from queer studies and these other disciplines. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's a very dialectic uh, mind frame, right? Of Of acknowledging like, yes, I am still learning so much about the work and I am very knowledgeable and I do have wisdom to contribute and they can both exist at the same time and not be in competition with one another. Um, and I still feel that like 20 years in, <laughs> like I'm, I don't know that I'll ever be done learning. There's always more to learn. Um, mm. I feel like with this podcast too that you have, it's like tapping into that. It's like you're using your resources and platform to disseminate other ways of knowing and like other ways of practicing and thinking about the work. Yeah. It, and it's interesting because, you know, as you were talking about um, acknowledging your own privilege and really thinking about how can I utilize that to be a benefit to others and, and, and to push it forward. I think, you know, part of it is um, it comes from that courage to um, put yourself out there, right? Even when you were talking about when Lonnie asked you, like, who am I to be the one to put that out there? Well, you know, I think we have to set that part aside of ourselves and say, it's okay, like you can exist there. I see you and it's okay for you to be nervous and it's okay for you to acknowledge that, um, you know, you might not be the most uh, edified individual on this topic or whatever, but you still have a voice that's of value and of worth and is meaningful. and. I think that you become a model for what is possible where other people might have said the same thing, you know, found themselves, well, who am I to do something like that? Well, who, like, maybe nobody really wants to hear about this topic, but by stepping out and creating what you've created, you become now a mentor for the next generation of folks coming up to say, well, he did all of that. Like maybe like I could do that too. Yeah. And I hope so. I, I see it as like a real like generative practice is like when we move with that like humble stance, um, which in cultural humility studies, there's this one model um, that... Uh, my friend Deanna Barton and I integrated uh, with the humble chair experiential, but this is, uh, it's also hilarious. I think as artists and art therapists or creatives, like the metaphor of it's called the orca stance because they're in the Pacific Northwest. And so they see orcas all the time. So um, they're like, we want to have that be the acronym but what does it even mean so it stands for openness respect curiosity and accountability and as with any humble pursuit it's a stance because it can never be permanent or static or fixed 
Um, we're always moving because we're always in relationship and relationships are always in flux. And that's the beautiful thing I think about them. It's, you know, a dance. And so how do we position ourselves um, and, and dance with others in humility and in collaboration? This idea of, you know, something um, didn't exist in the world and you saw an opportunity to provide something that, that one felt deeply resonant for you and two that was missing within the community at large. And you stepped in to say, okay, I'm going to create this and, and see what happens here. Um, and then we were kind of talking about how in doing so it, it starts to open up and open the doors and pave the path for other people other people coming up in the field to say like, Hey, there is a space for me here. I am seen here. I can take these risks too. And there is a place for me to use my voice because, you know, you've, you've done that, you've done that already. And then we kind of moved into talking about the cultural humility piece of like, you're creating that openness. You're creating that space for respectful dialogue, for collaboration, and um, and to allow the wisdom of others to be shared with the larger community. Because your cre- the symposium is not just Zach's voice. It's no, and I never wanted to be. Yeah, it's <laughs> like this isn't about me. Like I, you know, I'm just kind of this conduit hopefully like to, like connecting these relationships and opportunities but but yeah so it's the generative part is that orca um that stance thank you for that so tell us a little bit about um what you have in store for this year's which is the third annual expressing pride symposium uh, congratulations on 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 that like getting that in flow that just to con- continue something for three years it it takes a lot of energy and passion um so kudos to you for getting it well, getting it rolling and sustaining it's definitely it. that the sustaining piece really is just i want to like extend thanks and and be sure to um honor like the community because you know I wasn't sure just energy wise if I would be able to do it this year and I was like no this is really important like and this is a great opportunity in my feeling of uncertainty how like what's my capacity for doing this um in the way that I want which is like you know that full commitment to it um I was like, no, I really need to resource. And so it was a great opportunity in learning that practice of decentralization um, and centering relationships though. Like, and that's the whole point. So it was like really a great mm-hmm. practice. And like, no, this is what's underlying this whole offering of the symposium is like building that community. So um, yeah, it's it's by the community for the community. Um, but yeah, so what's in store for this? Yeah, this year. <laughs> um, so my amazing team. Oh my gosh, so cool. So previously, let me just give like 
a little context previously it was like um a little okay because it was a limited team i.e like me and a couple other people um it was like okay i don't know how to review proposals i don't even know what to ask for the proposals again i'm green i don't know these things so how i went about doing that one i did my own research on the side to prepare for in the future when there would be more time and ways of practicing that way but in the immediate time i was like okay well let me get the vibe of the general layout of what's being published who's presenting what what's this content and knowing that the coalition is for all expressive or creative arts therapies i'm going to specifically research and identify like the kind of leaders or the people um you know uh guiding that this way of working in their profession so um so I just did like a massive literature review essentially for myself um and then just did like cold emails was like hello um I'm doing this thing and like would love for you to I read your chap and then I made sure of course like read whatever um they had written and try to find a way to connect it all kind of cohesively um mm-hmm. and so everyone um you know was so gracious really and so kind and even if they were like I can't do it um this year but keep me in mind so it also kind of helped build that Rolodex of possibilities for the future which is cool um so yeah so for the first two years it was that invite only um but only because we were still building the back end of like how do we actually do this in a way that isn't as exclusionary um and only you know, highlighting the people who are able to publish. So now um, we're we're working on that next kind of phase, which is the submission process. And with my incredible team, um, they created a wonderful um, submission form and rubric for review and all of that. So we had um, an you know, it's, it's small fish compared to some of the other things, but for us, it's really exciting. Um, so I'm going to honor that. Uh, and we had 12 submissions, which is wonderful. And, um, so those are in review. And, um, I think today is like our little soft deadline for each other, (laughs) holding (laughs) each other accountable. Um, so hopefully by the end of the weekend, we'll have our, um, kind of mock-up schedule of who's going to be presenting and what are the topics um but the the theme this year and um also in collaboration with with my amazing team is we were like hey we should really have like a a theme um like to guide and and invite proposals to hope hopefully kind of stimulate some ideas and and things for folks who are interested but not sure how to enter into that proposal process and so we came up with the idea of emergence um Mm -hmm. as being the theme and so um obviously adrian marie brown is a huge um inspiration for the idea of emergence with emergent strategy um and also so much is emerging within the coalition as it continues to grow so much is emerging within the expressing pride offering as as it's really becoming a collective project um so much is emerging in the nation as we're you know fighting for 
trans yes. rights and healing justice. And um, so how do we emerge individually and, and collectively in the shared pursuit of liberation? So that is the guiding and grounding theme for this year. And so the offerings uh, or the submissions rather uh, are um, written in alignment with that theme. So it's really the submissions were just beautiful. Um, and it's a variety of modalities of professional experience um, of perspectives and points of view. And I mean, you know, reading those, the proposals, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. So good. And like, how amazing that like we get to um, center this, uh, this wisdom is just so cool. So, you know, it, it allows for that kernel of hope, at least for, I'll use I statements. It, it, for me, provided a kernel of hope as I'm showing up on the streets in protest, as I'm showing up for clients in protest, as I'm showing up just as I am in public spaces, um, in protest and resistance. And so seeing the way that others are doing so also in their localized ways, it's just like, oh, it is possible. Others are doing it and, you know, we can care for one another in sharing how we survive and thrive. Um, so, yeah, I was just like, oh, wow, that's beautiful. So. I love that. I think that's so important. It's so easy for us to be in our own, like, locale and zone and think, like, oh, I'm not seeing what I'm not seeing what I know I need to be seeing in order for things to improve or get better and change. And so by really expanding, you know, zooming out, inviting uh, people from all over in, then you're able to see all of these different examples of people doing really meaningful work and um, contributions towards change and growth within our like human fabric um and you're right it, it it's a tough time um i know you're in texas i'm in florida and i mean two horrible hot spots for what's going horrible, on <laughs> horrible horrible it's so awful it's uh, i feel like i don't want to look at the news i know that there's part of me that needs to in order to acknowledge the truth of what's happening and then there's this other part of me that's like, I just don't know if I can take another, you know, another jab of what, um, what is happening politically um, to human beings. It's, it, it's, it's awful. Um, it's just awful. And, and in and complete it, opposition to what all of the, like, leaders and professionals are saying like trans-affirming care is trauma-informed care and is life-saving care period right. end of discussion mm -hmm. um and so when that's abstracted and wielded and like um in really contorting ways it's incredibly harmful and there's research showing that anti-queer legislation is harmful to the mental health well-being um of sexual and gender minorities 
Um, and so as care professionals, not only do we have to show up for our clients in the studio, but in public policy also, yes. that's preventative care. Mm -hmm. That's therapeutic intervention is contacting your representatives, is showing up in protest, like on the Capitol, um, is joining these listservs. But to your point, though, it's, it's important to not burn out and to yeah. be attuned with the limits of our capacity, because when we burn out, it serves nobody. Right. Um, and so we have to care for ourselves uh, and care for others. And I think they're interconnected, interdependent. Um, yes. And um, yeah, I'm not quite, I don't like the phraseology of this, but I don't have a better way of a better name for it, but like information diet or like media diet yeah, um, was something really during COVID and um, Black Lives Matter um, was the idea of like, how, how do we consume and participate in media and how do we do it in a healthful way that contributes to the movement um, and where we're not like, like harming ourselves by bombarding ourselves with really intense information. So I think it's a balance and yeah. um, one way, one way of doing that balance, I think, and with clients, this has come up is like, there's multiple ways of protest and more multiple ways of advocacy. And so it's also important to throw back to the orca stance but like tap into that of like what are the other ways of showing up in solidarity can like are available to me that are more generative and more life giving um so like maybe it's not showing up in the streets okay like how do you then like is it more like on the back end like in writing certain like making little infographics or emailing people or calling representatives or is it like um I don't know going and providing like water and, and art materials for the protesters who are then going to go so like there's so many ways to enter into this so it's like there's a lot of factors and even that can be overwhelming so of course then art making can be super important in regulating and also identifying what do we do yeah, I love that you're that you're sharing that that there's different ways of being of support and participating and engaging and that we have to honor what's going on within ourselves and our own capacity to show up in a way that will allow us to continue to be able to be fully present when we are um, with our clients and doing the work and with our family and, and ourself too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if people want to participate and actually attend Expressing Pride, um, how do they do that? Great question, Raina. Um, we are finalizing our website registration things so um i won't 
hearsay that the link because it's also uncertain exactly what it is but i will give it to you so that way we can have it in the in the description and all of that um but it's it's as easy as um going to our s'more page which i will give and on there um you'll be able to see the whole day events see the speakers see my amazing team um and uh, what's in store and then there'll be a link for the zoom registration and with that then you'll get that link and then the day of which i believe is june 17th um and it's going to be all day so you can tune in and out as you please um is it going to be okay. broadcast in the facebook group as well it won't okay. be broadcasted but it is it's free and available to to all so you just gotta register and then you'll get the link but yeah that's also part of the um queer ethos is accessibility um too so wanting to make sure that um everybody can attend um or okay. as many people as possible can attend so that's great yeah but I would say it's probably a really great place to find that information too, if folks happen to be listening and maybe you're listening after the June event has happened, but you want to be aware for, you know, year number four um, to make sure yes. that they're, you know, heading over to that Facebook page, which is yes. um, right. The, That's the, the coalition we've changed the name uh to coalition for queer creative arts therapy so yeah join that group it's for queer folks and allies so it's it's for all um it's really just a gathering spot for community and collaboration so mm -hmm. and uh yeah if you are listening to this after the event everything is going to be recorded as was years past and will be available for free for viewing um so get ready for that um we have yet to find the spot uh for that but if you join the group you'll be informed of all of the exciting new content that you'll be able to access that's wonderful um that's such a an enormous resource really for everybody um it's rare to be able to go to a conference um and hear professionals speak and have access to those materials for free and um and especially i mean that comes at a cost to be able to house and stream that after the fact in some way that um you know so thank you for your efforts in creating that and maintaining that and sustaining it. Um, it's certainly, you know, one way you're, you're participating in, in the protesting by disseminating all of this really valuable and important information for all of us um, to better understand um, what, how, how to serve, how to, um, how to be of support and be of service to people that, um, like you said, are in a, a really vulnerable position due to what's going on in our socio-political climate and need need those spaces more than ever. 
well, thank you for seeing me and seeing my community and seeing our offering with this. I appreciate it. And thank you listeners for listening to me um, and, you know, being open to, to what I'm sharing and for your grace and patience as I kind of ramble. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. No, well, it's, it's, um, it's authentic and I'm, you know, that's what I, I really hope and strive for with the show is to just have, you know, true conversations, um, about the work that we do and why it's important. And, um, I'm really excited to share this with the community and to spend time with you today. Um, Yes. It's an honor and a privilege, really. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I, um, I'm going to go ahead and put in the show notes um, the link to your personal website. So if you want to learn a little bit more about all the cool stuff um, that Zach does, we didn't even talk about his paintings. He's a brilliant painter. And so if you, if you happen to be a member of ADA and you get the journal, you might recognize one of the paintings um, of him that he did with himself and Edith Kramer was on the cover of one of the journals. Was that last year or the year before? I can't remember. I think it was last year. It was for the special issue on art therapy and education. Um, yeah. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. On the website, you'll see queer family portraits that I did a few years ago. Um, those are so beautiful. I started crying when I saw them. They're just, oh. the collection is just beautiful. Yeah, and all of them were donated, of course, to the families. So um, it was really, again, an offering to um, to the community who haven't had access to being honored and represented in formal family portraits like that. Um, so... Yeah, it was the sh- it was for a show at the um, oh my gosh the center on Halstead. Um, they have a gallery there, so um, I think wow. it was right before I started at Adler. Was oh, the wow. um, was that show? So yeah, they're beautiful. And yeah. um, so you guys, I encourage you all to check out the website, and um, that's. Zachary Z A C H A R Y V A N D E N B E R G dot com. I didn't want to just say it because there's so many different ways people spell Zachary. Um, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I'll also put the link to the group on Facebook in the show notes. And then once you have um, the information on registration for Expressing Pride, send that along to me so we can add that as well. And um, if you, you know, want to be a part of Zach's group and be in the know, I highly recommend you join the Facebook group so you don't miss out. Yes. Yeah. And And hopefully, you know, you'll join and then share the invite to the group to others who who you think might be interested. Um, So thank you. Yes, thank you. And um, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. 
Yes, it's been a pleasure, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Creative Psychotherapist Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Zach. I just, I love his passion and his courage to uh, be willing to create community and um, and space that didn't exist because he saw a need, even though he wasn't maybe so sure of himself in the beginning of like, you know, he was young and, and just starting. But I think um, his work really speaks to the value that each and every one of us has to offer. And if there's something that you're thinking, you know, this really needs to be in our professional domain. And I just don't see it out there. Um, I think, you know, look, the people like Zach who are taking risks and, you know, creating things that didn't exist before because of that need and do it, take risk. It's worth it. Um, in doing so you're expanding the wisdom and knowledge for uh, future generations to be able to continue to do the work and um, and have access to information that's needed to do the work. So um, I just I just find him super inspiring and um, I'm a big fan of everything that he does. Um, and like I said in the interview, if you haven't um, gone over to his website to check out his paintings, they're absolutely beautiful. And I highly recommend that you, um, that you do that. And also you'll find access to um, his work, uh, the Invisible Histories Project that he did interviewing um, uh, queer arts therapists um, about their work and really giving voice where um, there, there was that not that there wasn't before, but that something celebrated and, and honored and, um, and accessible. And so I just uh, think he's doing amazing stuff. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the conversation too. If you like what you hear, please do uh, rate, subscribe, share with a friend who you think might be um, of, you know, an interested listener. Uh, we would welcome that support so that we can continue sharing uh, the work of our community of professionals uh, like Zach and everybody else. Um, so Thanks so much, guys. Uh, talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Creative Psychotherapist. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For show notes, downloads, and additional resources, head over to the website at www.creativeclinicianscorner.com.